Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from First Orlando. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at firstorlando.com. And if you're in the Orlando area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now, enjoy this podcast from First Orlando. Hey, First Orlando family. I want to add my welcome to the welcome you've already heard from our band and from Matthew, and it's great to have you joining us today. Um, I also want to uh, say a word uh, to Pastor David and about uh, him and the situation that we're in with him. And I was uh, able uh, last night briefly to have a telephone conversation with him, and it was so encouraging to me to be able to do that and to hear from him directly. And I just want to tell you, church family, uh, David so appreciates, David and Rachel, the family, so appreciates your prayers and concern for them. Uh, he made a statement to me, I want to read what he said, that he has uh, felt prayers like never before in his life and that proximity isn't necessary for unity. You know, he preached on that a few weeks ago. Uh, but he said he experienced that in, way, in a profound way like he'd never experienced it before because even though he was separated, uh, Rachel was able to see him every day, but the rest of his family wasn't. Um, and he was separated from them and he was separated from us. Uh, he felt our presence with him through God's presence with him in those days. And we're gonna hear story after story of the miraculous way that God kept him and sustained him and now is uh, helping him recover and come back to full health. And David, we love you, we miss you, and we're just excited for the progress that you've made so far and eager to have you back here at First Baptist Orlando. And my guess and my hunch is in just a few weeks, we're gonna start meeting again and hopefully uh, we'll be moving strong when David comes back. It'll be a glorious celebration that we'll be able to have. And uh, so David, we um, are just really thrilled uh, for the progress you've uh, made. So today we're gonna be in the book of James. I'm gonna invite you to go ahead and open to James chapter one, first chapter of James. We're gonna look, be looking there at uh, the first few verses, I think through, excuse me, two through four. But before we begin that, you know, this is a season um, where people are counting a lot. Have you noticed that? We're counting everything. Uh, we're, we're, most of us are counting the days until um, we're done with this stay-at-home stuff, and we're counting hours, and uh, they're counting new COVID cases, and they're counting COVID deaths. Uh, stores are counting customers. We find ourselves counting the feet, the distance between us. Many of us are counting episodes that we're watching. What episode are we on? And not too long from now, when we start gathering again, we're gonna be counting seats between us and the people around us. It's a time when we're counting things. And James, in this passage, tells us to count something else. There's something else that we should count. In fact, we can become who God wants us to be by counting. Here's what the book of James says. James 1, 2 through 4 says this. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness, another word for that is perseverance, let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. James says we should count our trials. Count it as joy when we count our trials. But why? Why would we count trials and difficulty 
as joy because it's an essential part of the Christian walk. It's an essential part of what it means to follow Jesus. Jesus himself even said in John 16, Jesus said, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Jesus acknowledged we are going to have tribulation, trials, difficulty is part of the Christian walk. The apostle Peter in his epistle, his letter to the churches, he said this in 1 Peter 4, 12 and 13. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice insofar as you share in Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. The apostle Peter acknowledged that we shouldn't be surprised at trials. They're part of what it means to follow Jesus. Trials come with the territory. Tests and trials accompany us as followers of Christ. There are the hard essential for us. Trials. All of us in these days have experienced trials of varying degrees. For all of us, it's been difficult. And surely, there have been moments of uncertainty and questions. Even if the business is going great, I think about some of our friends that work at retailers and it's just, they can't keep up with the business. There are days that they're working on getting supplies, but for most, especially in our region, this has been a trying and difficult time. I know just personally when when the first COVID stuff started happening, I began to read these articles. I'm thinking, huh, I wonder how that's gonna affect our church if this, starts getting traction. I can remember on a Sunday morning bringing it up in one of our meetings and saying, I'm not sure if we should be shaking hands right now and, and wasn't sure how far this was gonna go. And, and then the next thing you know, they're saying maybe we need to shut down for two weeks and, and then two weeks turns into six weeks and now it's been 10 or 11 weeks that we haven't met. And then when just we felt like we had gotten as bad as it could possibly get, I get a text and call from David and from Rachel and David's had this bike accident and in the period of a few days we go from, wait, he's not going to be here for a while? Just when we thought it couldn't get any worse, it got a lot worse. And if you're not careful, in moments like that, we turn to fear and maybe anger, anxiety, and some even turn towards addictions that have helped them and held them, excuse me. In these settings, we move to, to places that, that James says, you shouldn't go there, you should count it joy. If we're not careful, we respond the wrong way. And James encourages us and tells us, respond differently. Let's count. And why should we count? Two reasons I wanna look at why we should count it joy. And the first one is because trials authenticate our faith. Trials test and authenticate. In verse three, James says, you know that the testing of your faith, that term for testing means trying and authenticating our faith. In the message version, it says it this way. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. We can take joy in trials because when our faith is tested, 
It gives us the authenticity. It proves the authenticity of our faith. Is your faith real? Has it been tested? You know, these days, I wonder, do you have the faith antibody? Have you tested for it? Jesus, when he was teaching, uh, he talked a lot about this. I, the, 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 he used terms that, that are about testing. He talked about it often. In Luke chapter 22, he says to, to Apostle Peter, Satan is going to sift you. This term sift means separate what's good from what's bad. In John's gospel, right before the feeding of the 5,000, he asked the disciples, hey, how are we going to feed all these people? And the Bible says, and he said that to test the disciples. In John 15 too, Jesus uses the term prune to talk about how God interacts with us. He prunes us. And in Romans 8, Paul says that, that the Holy Spirit is conforming us to the image of Jesus, not to a better us, but to Jesus. He's conforming these terms, sift, test, prune, conform. These are terms that, that require trial and difficulty and pain. It's not all easy. It's not all fun. But it all can bring joy because, because it proves authenticity when our t- faith is tested. I don't know about you, but I like talking to people who are on the other side of a trial, who've actually gotten a no answer from God. Even this weekend, Memorial Day weekend, when we talk to families whose sons and daughters did not return home, it's in talking to them and you, you see the depth, the profound nature of their faith. Do you say, now that is authentic faith. Seeing people who have walked through trials gives us a perspective and sometimes Seeing people who have had bad news and had to deal with the things that are difficult and still have an unwavering trust in Jesus in the midst of difficulty, that's somebody I want to talk to. That's somebody from whom we can learn. Faith is what we have left when everything else has been taken away. And we can count it joy because the trial lets you know that what you have is real. And that's good to know that your faith is authentic and that you can count on it and that it will sustain you in the middle of difficulty or in the middle of trial. In this season of suffering, of trials, of difficulty, of challenge, of the unknown, it's important to know this season is going to produce something in us. And part of what it's going to produce is an authenticity to our faith. It's testing our faith. Years ago, I told you this story about a man, a lieutenant, retired lieutenant colonel in the Marines, Ralph Groover, who's part of our church family. I had the joy years ago of going to Israel with Ralph. What a trip it was to walk where Jesus walked with Ralph. What an amazing man. And one day I was talking to him about his experience. He was a World War II veteran and was able to obviously come home and and uh, talked to him about those days and the difficulties in it. And one day we were at a site and it was a place where Jesus had prayed and Ralph began to talk about what it was like to pray. And he said, you know, I learned in war times that everybody prays in the foxhole. Everybody prays in the foxhole. 
But he said, but I was fortunate. I had talked to God before I got in the foxhole. And it's important to know that you have, that we have that authentic relationship with God. It's important to know, all of us need to know, we have a faith that's authentic, that's real, and that we can count on, that we can put our hope in. And it's not, it's not um, something that we're unsure of. This season for us, you know, it's been difficult. There have been trials. I wouldn't choose to meet this way. The room is virtually empty, and we're communicating to you online. And if you'd have told me six months ago this was what's going to happen, I would say it could never happen. And yet, in the midst of this, we have said forever that the church isn't the building, that it's the people. But nothing let, it, let us prove it better than this. And we have authenticated the church. Not only is it not the building, it's not held by the building and it's not contained by the building. Do you know that what some see as an obstacle and terrible and I've gotten emails and calls from some saying, this is terrible, it's hurting the church and the, it's the opposite. It, the church is blossoming. The gospel is going forth in the midst of this in an amazing way. I think we've got a map we can show you that shows this is the devices that we have that are watching the stream right now. This is where you're watching First Baptist Online from, and it's Ukraine and Saudi Arabia and Philippines, South Korea, Japan, all through South America, Brazil, um, Puerto Rico. We got pretty much the ACC and the SEC covered in the United States, all of those uh, places there. All over here, you got Ireland and, and France and Italy. Who knew the gospel could go that far? And in the midst of this, what we consider to be a trial coming our way, and it could have been so easy for us to go, poor pitiful us, somebody's picking on us. This is terrible news for us, and, and nothing good's gonna come out of this, and it's horrible. And instead, we just said, you know what? This is a trial. We're gonna push forth with everything we have, and in a way that we could never explain, we have become the church to the uttermost to everywhere in the midst of a trial that authenticates us and authenticates our faith. We can have joy because trials authenticate our faith. That's not the only reason. The second reason we can have joy is because trials mature our faith. Trials mature our faith. Verse three the last part of verse three and verse four says that the testing of life, it produces steadfastness. And then it says, and let steadfastness, again, another word for that is perseverance, have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. It's, this produces steadfastness. Bill Mitchell sent me something he had found that says that's a, this, a term that means it breeds fortitude. It creates strength in us. It breeds fortitude. And to be perfect and complete means mature. And so trials mature our faith. It helps our faith grow up and become mature. You know, one of the things I've heard a lot these last few weeks especially is I'm counting the days till we can get back to normal. I'm counting the days till we can get back to normal. I got to thinking, what a loss it would be. If we go through all of this and we come back on the other side 
and nothing about us has changed. That we're the same people we were when this all started. That we were the same church uh, that we were when this all started. We're not going to be the same church. And we should not be the same people. The trials can mature our faith. And besides, I knew, I know you, and I know what you were like before this and, and before COVID. And a lot of us complained about life before COVID as well. We don't want to go back to normal. We want to go to way better than normal, to a mature faith, to something better than what we had before. We complained before COVID. We want it to be different than that. We don't want to go back to normal. I also notice in verse three, my, maybe my favorite word in this passage, James says this, we can have joy because we know something. You know, this is a season when it's really hard to know anything. Don't know who to trust. Who can we listen to? Seems like every single day, the information we're getting is different than what it was the week before or, the, or what it's going to be next week. And so the, the ever-changing facts um, which shouldn't change. Facts should remain consistent, but they don't. And in the midst of all of this, not knowing anything, it's great to know that we can know that the testing of our faith is going to make our faith mature. It'll grow it up for us. We don't want to go back to normal. We want to go better than normal. God wants to move us right past normal right past what we were before and into something better. You know what, maybe normal is the enemy of God's best for us. Maybe he has something better than normal. Maybe, maybe normal wasn't bad, but maybe it wasn't everything God was desiring for us. How in this season has God moved you into something different? Our focus should not be getting back to something, but becoming something as a result of the trial that we're in. We should let steadfastness or perseverance finish its work in us. Let it complete the process in us and not resist the work that steadfastness, that perseverance is having. You know, God uses hardship to build something into us and to build us into something. Hardship is what it takes. We should let trials finished what they're designed to do in us and to have their full effect. My plea with you is let's not be the same people that we were before COVID. Let's be who God wants us to be. Let's be better than ever, not just normal. I have a good friend, Maurice Templeton, that has a travel company, take our tours and stuff that we do. Uh, Maurice started that company and he mentored me early in, in my adulthood and I used to hang around him all the time and learn from him. And every time he took a trip, uh, he and I would talk after the trip, I'd call him or he'd call me. And Maurice is a Southern guy from North Carolina. And he had these, these sayings that were kind of North Carolina sayings. And Every single time I called Maurice and asked him about his last trip, whether it was a Journeys of Paul or a trip to Israel, one of his charter cruises, whatever it was, I'd say, Maurice, how was the trip? And he would, every single time, he would answer it the same way. And his answer was this, best than ever. It was the best than ever, which is a North Carolina saying, like, it just got better than ever. It's better than ever. And it's what God wants to say about us. I think to myself, you know, 
wonder how God would describe my journey, even in this season. Would he say, hey, he's turning out to be best than ever. He's getting better as he goes. He's getting mature as he goes. There's things that are growing. This trial is creating in him what it needs to create. Are we becoming the best than ever? Is that what God is doing in you? Creating in you everything he wants you to be. I recently heard the story of Reggie Campbell. Reggie, uh, Andy Stanley told the story of his friend Reggie Campbell who went to be with the Lord in January. A few days before Reggie passed away, Andy had the opportunity to go to his home and visit with Reggie. Reggie was a longtime believer and follower of Christ and had led a men's small group for 20 some years and just a great member of the church at North Point community there. And, and Andy tells the story of going to Reggie's home and, and seeing him in his office there with his oxygen tank. And Reggie had gotten a, a whiteboard in the corner of his office and he had, across the top of the whiteboard was written the, the words, my commitments. And Andy said when he first went in there and he saw that he thought, wow, Maybe this is like a long time ago and things that were on his like bucket list or whatever. And, and he started asking Reggie about it. And Reggie said, no, I actually put these up about five days ago or so. And I, these are just the way that I want to finish. It's the way that the commitments that I have as I take my final breaths on this earth and move to my heavenly home. And the list was things that you would typically see and uh, wanting to spend time with his family and make every moment count. One of the things was he wanted to make sure he allowed people to love on him and to receive um, food and things like that from people that wanted to care for him in this season. But one of those particularly struck me that was on his list. And Reggie Campbell, with days left to live, wrote this, I will not give up and run out the clock. I'm not gonna give up. I'm not gonna pretend the score's too far gone or there's nothing worth doing anymore. I'm just not gonna give out, give up and run out the clock. And for some of us in the midst of trial, another layer and another layer and another layer comes and you can get to the point where you go, man, I can't, I can't overcome this. I don't know where to go from here. And I'm just gonna hunker down and do nothing and, and not let steadfastness have its full effect in us. And I wanna appeal to you, church family. Let's not be that kind of people. Let's be like Reggie Campbell, who said, I'm gonna let perseverance finish its work to my last breath. And even when we can't meet in person, and even when Pastor David is out, we're not gonna do anything less than to let perseverance finish its work in us. We're gonna keep following Jesus and leading others to do the same. Let's not run out the clock. It's not what David would want and it's not what God expects of us. We're gonna double down is what we're going to do. And we're going to keep our foot firmly placed on the gas pedal, doing everything that we've been doing all along and even more. And in fact, it's a season when it's time for us to gather again. We had hoped we could do it on May 31, but 
we need to push it to the 7th of June. And we're gonna try to gather again here at the John Young campus live and in person on June 7th. But we need your help to, to help us do that. We need an army of volunteers to help us get the room ready and to welcome and help people as they gather that day. It's gonna be a little bit different. We've had this task force in place now for uh, three or four weeks and they've been meeting once or twice a week and giving us great feedback on the things we need to do to prepare for gathering again. And I'm gonna encourage you, there's a, a place on the website that you can go firstorlando.com slash together again. And you, after the service, it'll be live. It's not live yet, but after the service, it'll be live. And you can get information on how you can serve and what you can do to help us get ready to be back here. Because we're not gonna just count, down, count out the clock and let it run out. We're gonna do everything we can to continue to reach people, keep following Jesus, and leading others to do the same. I know some of you in your personal lives, the trials have been more difficult, maybe more difficult to manage than what we're managing at the church. And I want you to know we pray for you and we care for you deeply. Some of you lost jobs or you have family members that have lost jobs and you're without income and the rent's due and difficulty there. And it'd be impossible for me to describe what it means for you to let steadfastness have its work and, and create this mature faith in you. But I just wanna encourage you to lean into what God has for you. He wants to use this in your life to authenticate your faith and to build your faith. And let, let the trial do its work in your life. And let's count. Let's count it all joy. Let's do it together. And let's see what God is going to do in us, becoming the church to the uttermost as we seek to glorify him. In just a minute, we're going to sing a song. It talks about Jesus being with us in the difficulty and the trials. He's in the fire with us. Before we do that, I wanna just take a second and offer you a couple of questions. I know many of you are gathered with family and we just thought it'd be helpful to give you something to kind of spur discussion. Maybe you're gonna eat lunch in a few minutes. Uh, you're just sitting around and a couple questions that kind of help uh, foster conversation with whoever you're with right now. And question number one is, has this season of change, trial or difficulty produced anything good in me? Has anything good come from this talk about the things that you've learned or good that has come and question number two what's the one thing I can do to ensure I don't simply run out the clock but I allow steadfastness to finish its work today is we finish our time I encourage you to take those questions they'll be posted on all the um, platforms that you're watching from and I just encourage you to consider those questions there in your home I want to pray for you today, and then we're going to sing together. There's another in the fire. Let's pray together. Gracious God, today we count it joy, the trial, because we know, we know something, that this trial is doing something good in us and through us. And our prayer, God, is don't let us, don't let us escape too soon. Help us walk through this and in doing so, bring you glory for the good of the, those in our community and around the world and only for your glory, our Heavenly Father. Thank you for the chance we have to meet today all around the world 
Bless each and every home and individual who are watching today. We pray all of this in the precious name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the First Orlando Podcast. For more information like our service times, location, and other contact information, be sure to visit us online at firstorlando.com. Have a great week.